Great Avalanche fans, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening. And thank you for joining the Locked On Avalanche podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche and some pretty fun things to get to today. I think uh, we're going to do, because we should be in the middle of March Madness, which is something that no matter what sport you watch, you're always entertained by March Madness. I know I am. Uh, Brackets are always a big thing. Everybody fills out a bracket. I kind of stopped doing that because, not that I'm like terrible at it, but uh, it's almost like fantasy anything, football, hockey, basketball. I just stopped doing that stuff too because uh, I got time consuming and I would always lose. So uh, it's kind of fun to do something maybe different with the brackets. So I have found a, a uh, bracket based on the best sports movies ever. And somebody put them up in rankings and everything and seed seeding. <clears throat> so what I think I'll do is do a, uh, like a quadrant a day and fill out a full quadrant to get like a final four for that section each day. And then we'll do the final four and the final all-in-one show at the end of the week. So uh, it's all sport-related movies, most of which, and I don't know if I'm proud of this, I have seen most of the ones on the list. I haven't seen a few of them. And I'll just tell you right now, if I haven't seen it, 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 it loses. Even if I know I've heard it's, it's a good movie from other people or from reviews and people talking about it, if I haven't seen it, it's just going to lose. Sorry. Uh, I'm only one man and there's 64 movies. So I, I, although I have seen most of them, so we'll get that, get to that a little bit later. I did the, uh, the, what was it? The Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg videos from the NHL 100. Today we'll do the Patrick Wah highlight video and the athletic came out with, and I think we're going to get a lot of these. And if I find them, um, I'll definitely bring them on the show. Uh, they did a kind of a mock award season uh, because if, if I'm assuming, we, I don't know if we're going to get, if the season's over, I don't know if they're going to go through with the awards. They Maybe they have said it, but I haven't really looked around to see if they would. But uh, The Athletic, and kind of like I am doing on Twitter, putting out polls uh, about what you guys think a who should win said trophy of just avalanche players um so yeah so the athletic did that and we'll kind of go through those and see if we agree or disagree with some of the ones that they put up there uh but first things first follow the show on twitter lopn underscore avalanche follow on instagram search for locked on avalanche and send your questions comments concerns opinions or if you want to be on the fandom friday segment to LockdownAvalanche at gmail.com. We did another simulated game on my PlayStation 4 to the Lockdown Avalanche uh, YouTube channel. And last night, the Avs went up against the Minnesota Vikings and wouldn't you know it, carried a lead into the third that they gave up and ended up losing. Didn't even get to overtime in this one. However, they did have a goal It was with less than a minute left, so they did pull the goalie. They did have an equalizer goal that got called off. So 
I mean, Homer refs, even in virtual reality world, is a real thing. Because when you look at the replay, they tried to say he kicked it in. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure it was JT Comfer. There was no distinct kicking motion on that digital body of that man. So uh, we can file a grievance if we want, but Avalanche lose that one. That keeps them at 96 points. The Avs are not doing well in my simulated world here. So uh, the next game will be tomorrow against Edmonton. So that one should be interesting. I keep saying I'm going to, to change the goalie and put in Francois. But, I mean, this is, you know, if you look at the stats in the game, Francois just doesn't have a better rating. And, uh, you know, they, they compartmentalize his individual traits. And they're just not as good as Grubauer. So I feel like... I shouldn't do that, but maybe I just should for the hell. I mean, they're losing anyway as it is, so maybe just do it and see what happens. Maybe it's not the best idea to do it against Edmonton, but uh, I don't know. Coaches got to make a decision, and that coaches me. So we'll see. I got a day to think about it. I don't have to do it right away. I got till nine o'clock Eastern time, uh, nine o'clock p.m. Eastern time, to come up with my uh, final decision. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, all right, so the athletic article, let me get to it here. They, they, like I said, they gave out the NHL awards for the 2019-2020 season. And, um, you know, I, I think some of them are debatable. Some, I think, you could see one way or another. You could agree with it. Um, and others, you, at least I, don't really agree with it. But that's what makes these things fun. And we'll start right off the top with the Hart Trophy. And the way that they did this, they had a panel of their writers, 41 writers. 17 of them covered the Eastern Conference. 19 covered Western Conference teams. And five of them were national writers. So a little bit of both conferences make up who's voting here. So starting with the Hart Trophy... And the, and the way they, that they did it was they give percentages, and there's always at least three players that who received percentage votes. Uh, Panarin received 17.07%, Nathan McKinnon 31.71%, and Leon Dreisaitl 39.02%. So Dreisaitl is their Hart Trophy winner. Uh, that's one that I would disagree with. I can understand voting for Dreisaitl if he actually does win it. I won't be that upset about it because he's having a he had a phenomenal season. Uh, I just go back to what Nathan McKinnon did with a depleted depleted team. The majority of the season, I think, would bump him up. If Nathan McKinnon had a full, healthy roster the entire season, um, I think maybe you can make a stronger case for Drysital. But because McKinnon did it with such a depleted team through over the course of the season, in my opinion, he gets bumped up. Norris Trophy. No avalanche on this one. Victor Hedman at 3 with 7.32%. John Carlson, 24.39%. And Roman Josie running away wins that 63.41% of the vote. For the Selkie Trophy, Patrice Bergeron. I won't do the point whatever percentages. We'll just do round numbers. Uh, Patrice Bergeron, 12%. Anthony Sorelli, 29%. Shane Cotier, 48%. Uh, 49% of the boat. So he he wins it pretty much running away. 
Vesna Trophy, this was the biggest discrepancy in any of the voting. Connor Hellebuck absolutely just, you know, running away with this thing. 90, almost 93% of the vote. Tuka Rask, uh, Ben Bishop with two, or just about 2% of the vote on that one. Calder Trophy, Mackenzie Blackwood in third with 2% of the vote. Quinn Hughes with 44%. And Kale McCarr with just under 54% of the vote there. So they give it to Kale McCarr and they state an argument could be made that picking between Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes is harder uh, should the league not resume play? On one hand, McCarr found a way to become the second best player behind Nathan McKinnon on a team that could have or still can make a case for winning the Stanley Cup. Then again, Hughes had the same responsibilities for a Canucks team that was a point away from being able to outright claim a wild card spot when the season halted. So, yeah, you can go back and forth on those guys too. And it's fun to watch on Twitter and social media the Avs fans and Canucks fans go back and forth about these two guys. But, uh, I again, and what Kale McCarr has done in less games is pretty damn impressive. So you know where my allegiance stands in that one easily, Kale McCarr. Jack Adams, this one kind of rubbed me the wrong way. They gave Mike Sullivan from the Penguins 17%, John Tortorella 24%, and Elaine Vignon from the Flyers 30, just shy of 32%. Jared Bednar is nowhere to be seen on here. I don't agree with that at all. I'm not saying the, the guy should win the, the trophy in the Jack Adams award, but uh, to, to not even put him up here, we want to give Nathan McKinnon all the credit in the world, which he deserves for keeping the abs afloat. But what that coaching staff did and Bednar in particular with young kids coming up, sometimes on a, a 24-hour notice, is nothing short of miraculous. And to him, not even to get a percentage point here seems sacrilegious to me. And their reasoning here is when the NHL paused its season, the Flyers were inarguably the hottest team in, the, in hockey. With nine wins in their last 10 games, the Flyers had stormed up the Metropolitan Division standings and were embarking on an unlikely late-season charge for d- divisional supremacy. A big reason for that, Coach Elaine Vigneault. Fine, but you're basing your entire vote here on the end of the season i thought this was a full season award and in my opinion jared bednar deserves to be in this list does he deserve to win it that's up for debate but i don't think it's debatable that he should at least be in this list of coaches all right so like i said last week i did the video clips for peter forsberg and joe sackick and today we're going to look at Patrick Waugh's highlight video from the NHL 100 top players. And the thing with, with goalies is that's the one position in hockey where you really can compare and have an argument on who's the best ever. All the other positions, I mean, you don't really hear too much when you're arguing about who's the best. You know, if it's between Gretzky and Lemieux or uh, guys like that. You don't really argue based on position. You just argue who's the best. But when you throw the goalie position in there, that just takes on a different animal because they're 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 doing the same thing goalies are. So it's a little bit more it's a little easier to to have a discussion on who's the best when it comes to goalies. 
And like I said, it's a little bit tougher to have that argument when it's all the other positions played on the ice. And for, for me, and I, I, do I want to say he's the best goalie ever? He's definitely in the top five, maybe the top three. But for me, I just loved watching Patrick Waugh play goal. And it's almost like I loved watching Terrell Davis play running back. He just, just the way that it, he played it was just different than everybody else. He played with that. Of course, he played with that edge. Uh, and he, there was just something about him, like Nathan McKinnon kind of pops off the screen with his speed and his skill on display. And goalies are, are stagnant most of the game, you know, moving a couple feet left and right. But there was just something about the way that Patrick Waugh played that just jumped off the screen to you when he would make a save. I, I don't know what it was. I can't put my finger on it. Uh, but we're going to get into his his video clip from the NHL 100 right now. Patrick Waugh was living in Quebec City and he was idolizing Rogi Vachon and his dad said to him, let's go to the Montreal Forum, the Kings are in town, let's go watch them play. And Patrick watched Rogi play that night and he said the next day that he put on pads, he never felt the same. He said, I knew I was going to be a goaltender. A Quebec native, Patrick Waugh became a fixture in goal for the Montreal Canadiens as a 20-year-old rookie during the 1985-86 season. First of all, he was a young kid, but secondly, the more shots he got, the better he played. And he had this incredibly great confidence about him, a cockiness. There were great expectations on him, and everyone sort of knew that for the Canadians to do anything in that playoff run, they were going to need outstanding goaltending. Well, I mean, Patrick gave them things that I don't think anyone even expected they were going to have. Well, the question mark of Montreal was in front of the net, and they played, I think, 47 games that year. And uh, that brought a lot of confidence. I uh, believe that it could make the difference in the game. He was a strong player and a very, very competitive player. And once he got hooked into what he wanted to do, which he did that spring, difficult to knock off. He was kind of the hot hand and kind of the trump card that they were kind of holding. And it turned out that it was a pretty good trump card. Reminiscent of Ken Dryden's remarkable rookie playoff performance from 15 years earlier, Waugh's glittering goaltending led a Canadiens team that had amassed just 87 points in the regular season on a stunning run that ended with the franchise's 23rd Stanley Cup and earned him the Conn Smythe Trophy. Proving his rookie year was no fluke, the honors and awards kept coming for Waugh. He won the Vezina Trophy in 1989, 90, and 92, and backstopped the Canadians to another Stanley Cup in 1993, winning the Conn Smythe Trophy once again. He became this great icon in the city of Montreal that the fans understood how important he was to this team. He was incomparable. A storybook ending for Waugh's career in Montreal seemed inevitable, but that all changed when Canadians coach Mario Tremblay kept Waugh in the net as he gave up nine goals against the Detroit Red Wings on December 2nd, 1995. So he leaves the ice and he storms down behind the bench and he walks past Mario Tremblay, gives him the look of death, and then walks back and says something to Ronald Corey, who's then the president of the team, sitting directly behind the bench. I'm not going to play another game for the Montreal Canadiens. That's it. I'm done. And a few days later, Patrick Roy is traded to the Colorado Avalanche. The start of that 95-96 season, I think everybody who followed that Colorado team felt it was a really good team. He not only gave them a great goaltender every night, 
but he gave them a swagger. And in hindsight, he was the missing piece. Wah's presence in Colorado paid off immediately as the Avalanche captured the franchise's first Stanley Cup and its second Cup in 2001, with Wah becoming the first player in NHL history to win the Conn Smythe Trophy three times. He finished his career in 2003 as the all-time leader in both regular season and postseason wins by a goaltender. Confidence in the game for me starts and ends at the goaltending position. How can you not possibly for a second imagine they were nothing but confident, the teams he played on, whether they were in Montreal or Colorado. They were confident teams because Patrick Waugh was in goal. He wasn't just the consummate winner. He was a trendsetter who inspired a generation of goaltenders to imitate the style that he perfected. He's one of the first guy that started the butterfly, very successful with it. You see all the butterfly goalies now, thanks Patrick. He really revolutionized the position of goaltending with his, with his style. I think he perfected the position myself. He did what he had to do in order to stop pucks, and ultimately it became the style and, and remains that way today. Because of Patrick Roy, goalies were important, but he was so consistent. And that was something that when I played in the NHL early on, I wanted to mimic. I said, you know, if I'm able to be as consistent as him, I think I'm going to have a good career. And that's kind of one of my things that I took from Patrick. He's one of those guys that you love to play against and you love to beat, but it was hard to do. He's a gamer. The bigger the game, the better he played. Yeah, so again, I love playing these things, but I hate it because, you know, watching clips of him play. And if you go watch that video on YouTube, the image that they they chose for for like the intro and the outro for that, he looks like a like a like a twelve year old. He was just so little, <laughs> um, but he he has you know he rose the occasion. He got big, and he was uh, he like I said in the end, like you love to beat him. But it was just a very difficult thing to do. Um, I I was not watching, and I don't remember that Montreal game. Obviously, you heard about it uh, after the fact, and when he got traded to Colorado. Uh, but I didn't watch that game when he gave up nine goals, and that he just I'm done. I, I'm not going to play for a team that does that, which. It was surprising, but you know, as you get to know Patrick Waugh, it's not surprising. That's how he is. He he's not going to get embarrassed like that. And he got embarrassed, and he's like, "If you're going to embarrass me like that, I'm not going to play for you anymore." And to the benefit of the Colorado Avalanche, and the one thing that I wish is that it ended for him a little bit differently in the coaching aspect. When he was hired as the Avs head coach, everybody was like waiting for that moment. It was about time. And we thought we had a head coach for a very long period of time. It turned out to be a short period of time. Uh, and, I, and it just didn't end the way that I don't think anybody thought it would end. Kind of pretty abruptly. So that's the one thing I wish was different when it comes to uh, the Colorado Avalanche and Patrick Waugh. But, you know, I think it's worked out better for everybody involved. So, all right. When we... Come back, do kind of a little bit of a fun bracket, bracketology movie version, sports movie version. We're going to do that right here. All right. So one final thing, fun thing to get to. We're going to do this over the course of the rest of the week. And I want to give credit because this this came from uh, a, a chat that all of the locked on NHL hosts uh, have through uh, Discord. But um Someone put this up and said, hey, I want to do kind of like crossover shows. And I couldn't 
find who put it up. I don't know who it was that put it up because I wanted to take part in it and I, I can't find them. They didn't say who it was. They just said, I want to do this. So uh, I guess I'm just going to do it on my own. And the, the bracket they put up comes from a radio station in Lubbock, Texas, uh, 100.7 The Score. So I kind of want to give them credit for putting this up, not just that I'm taking it. Um, so they have a full bracket, east, west, south, and midwest. I figured we would do one region per day and till we get to an overall winner. And I have not gone ahead and picked these. I'm kind of doing them on the fly. I looked at who, who some of the uh, movies were to see if a movie that I absolutely love is on here, a couple of movies, and they are. But I haven't gone through and written these all out. So I'm kind of making these up as I go. So let's jump in. The East, and they are seated. Number one, Hoosiers against number 16, Any Given Sunday. I think Hoosiers will win that uh, any day of the week and twice on Sunday. I made a joke there. Uh, number eight versus number nine, The Longest Yard, the original, and Talladega Nights, Legend of Ricky Bobby. I will tell you right now, any movie that features Will Ferrell is probably going to win. Um, I absolutely love that man. So, a little bit of an upset, nine over an eight, Talladega Nights, Legend of Ricky Bobby, moves on. Five versus 12, Miracle at five, Secretariat at number 12, that is an easy one, Miracle all day long. Four versus 13, four, Cool Runnings, 13 is White Men Can't Jump. That's a tough one, but I think I'm going to go with the upset here with White Men Can't Jump over Cool Runnings, although I love the movie Cool Runnings. I thought it was a little bit too Disney for me, though, um, and I thought White Men Can't Jump was a funny movie, so we'll go with that. Six and 11, six is Space Jam, 11, Chariots of Fire. I've never seen Chariots of Fire so Space Jam has to move on, even though I wasn't a really big fan of it. I can't compare it to Chariots of Fire, so it's Space Jam. Number three, Raging Bull over 14 for Love of the Game. I absolutely despised for Love of the Game. Did not like that movie. I thought it was Kevin Costner pulling at strings to make another baseball movie, and I thought it was awful. Uh, and Raging Bull, on the other hand, is one of the best sports movies ever made. So definitely Raging Bull. 7 and 10. 7 is the blind side. 10 is Rocky 2. Um, of all the Rockies, I think I like 2 the least. Um, and I thought the blind side was a pretty good movie. My wife likes it a lot. So because of that, uh, the blind side will move on. And number 2, Major League and 15 Little Giants. I, I love Little Giants. I think that movie is great. But I grew up watching Major League over and over and over again. And so many quotable lines in that. Major League moves on begrudgingly over Little Giants because I think Little Giants is a great movie. All right, so we got Hoosiers and Talladega Knights, Ricky Bobby. I have to go Hoosiers there. I can't. I, because I say Will Ferrell's going to move on, it's not all the way to the end. He's going to at least win in round one. Uh, but Hoosiers definitely knocks off Talladega Knights. We have Miracle and White Men Can't Jump. Miracle's going to take that one. Space Jam and Raging Bull. Raging Bull definitely takes that one. The Blind Side and Major League. I'm going to go with Major League there. So we have Hoosiers and Miracle. And, man, I mean, I do a, a, a hockey podcast, so I have to go with Miracle, right? I think Miracle gets the upset over Hoosiers. 
And then we have Raging Bull. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like doing this out on my own here. Let's see. So we had, where are we here? Major League and Raging Bull. Major League. Major League over Raging Bull, which would give us Miracle and Major League. And those are two great movies. But Miracle is going to get the final four nod. So there you have it. In the East, the first one in the final four is definitely Miracle. I don't want this to end up all hockey movies in the final four. But I think Miracle is just too good of a movie uh, to not have it bumped all the way up. So tomorrow... We will do the West, and I want to. I'm so tempted to look at them right now, but I'm not going to do it. I want them. To, I want them to be off the cuff, and guessing them and, and picking them on the fly, live as you guys hear it. So that'll be it for today. So Miracle gets the final four nod. We'll do another division tomorrow. That's going to be it for today, guys. Enjoy the day, and uh, I have a poll up right now. What will upset you more if Nathan McKinnon would lose the MVP or the heart or if Kale McCarr would lose the Calder Trophy? And right now, I thought it'd be a little bit closer, but it's a little bit surprising. So go on Twitter and see where it stands, but we'll talk about that tomorrow as well. Have a great Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Here's Joby. Go, Abs, go!